Welcome to another episode of the One Up Fluid Podcast, episode 27. We're moving along smoothly and doing some great stuff. And this is this is a guest that I know you all will like a lot because this is a mentor, a good friend, and also who helped me get into creating content around sales. Uh, he wrote an article around an SDR should go out and create their own content. And I did that myself. And he told me, hey, when you get to episode 100, I'll come on your show. And he came on my previous podcast called The SDR Chronicles. If you're in sales, you should go check it out. And that's how we became more friends. And he created this mentor, this mentor mentee experience. And so in this interview, uh, we touched on three main things. One, developing an attitude of gratitude. I don't think we do this enough, uh, whether that's journaling, whether that's praying, whether that's doing yoga. Uh, We don't do that enough of just being graceful to ourselves. I know I don't do it. Uh, Two is who do we are we becoming in the process and what does that look like? So that's basically understanding how to keep your circle tight, um, how you should be proactive in the relationships that you're building. And then lastly, we talk about how to dominate on being consistent in your life and also in the workplace. So make sure you bring your notepad. Make sure that you take a lot of notes on this one. This one, this one does not disappoint. I had to listen to it again because of how good it was. And hope you all enjoy it. Real quick. I want to show some love to one of our sponsors, Lesson Lee, and my guy, Kyle Lacey over there. It's a powerful yet simple readiness and training software for high growth sales teams. And as we all know, it's a virtual environment. So it's really important to have the remote teams on the same page so they can deliver amazing experiences to the customers and prospects. And I love their motto, by the way, do better work. Check them out. They're helping major brands like HelloFresh, Goodwill, Birchbox, and Thrive Market do success. And a lot of their clients are saying that their software gives them a lot more confidence in the way that they onboard their new reps and their existing reps. That's massive. So if you're in the market for it, check them out. Easy to use, easy to adopt. It's Lessonly.com. So it's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y.com. And you can also click the link in the show notes to get there as well. I have a dear friend of mine, mentor, and I don't even know if I'd even be here without this guy, Ralph Barcy. Uh, he's he's just doing big things, y'all. VPs of Inside Sales at Trade.io, advisor to some multiple companies and within our technology space, and just prolific writer. has got a lot of great blog posts out there around sales. Actually, that is how I got into being an SDR, saw one of Ralph's blog posts, and that's what got me to create the SDR Chronicles, which most of you follow this podcast, you know about it. That's, that's where this came from, from Ralph himself. So you're going to hear who, who, who made all this possible. This episode probably wouldn't be happening without him. And without any further ado, we got Ralph Barcy here on the show. Ralph, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hopefully all that was accurate there. It was very accurate, and I, I appreciate the intro. How are you, Morgan? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Welcome to the show. Good, good. Well, thank you so much. So, uh, yes, just for the audience, uh, I lead the global inside sales team at Trey.io. We're in San Francisco. Uh, the company provides a general automation platform for businesses. It's used to integrate applications and streamline workflows across the enterprise. I'm having a blast there. First part of my career. Uh, was really spent as an individual contributor. I was an account executive for a number of different technology companies. But more recently, over the past decade or so, uh, my work has really centered on scaling and leading sales development organizations. And uh, to your point, Morgan, yes, I've had the honor and privilege to advise as well as consult a number of SaaS companies. I do love to write. I wish I was writing more often. Maybe it's something we could talk about. Love to speak and I'm looking forward to sharing the stage with you at some point uh, when we're back uh, yeah. with the live conferences. And then also, of course, uh, within all that, I love to coach and I love to teach others. And, and it thrills me to watch when people actually pay it forward and start helping others uh, in their in their career and in their lives. Yeah, and he, he's done that. <laughs> he's done that, y'all. So definitely pay attention to this. Uh, take notes because I promise you every single time I talk to Ralph, I have to be like, wait, what did, What are you talking about? I have to go take some notes. And speaking of coaching and teaching, I wanted to ask this question before we get into the meat of the conversation, Masterclass. So I bought Masterclass 
during the pandemic because I wanted to learn and educate more. I told Ralph about it. And he's like, yeah, I've, I've already been here. <laughs> like I've been in masterclass. So my question to you is, what is your favorite masterclass within the platform right now and why? I remember, I remember the one you told me, but I want to see if it's changed. Ooh, good one. Um, man, the favorite is tough. It's, um, so it's uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's okay. one of them. Another one is, is it okay to say more than one? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Another absolutely. one is, uh, what is her name, Morgan? Help me. Um, uh, broadcaster, former sportscaster. Her name is Robin something. I'm not no. I'm not remembering her last name. Uh, she does one on communicating with people, you know, and building rapport through your communication skills, whether that's writing, speaking, presenting. Uh, and, and that just resonates with me anyway. Uh, third yep. one that I love is Chris Voss talking about negotiation. And then I've watched, you know, Venus Williams on tennis, Steph Curry on basketball. I've watched barbecue ones, uh, <laughs> you know, Gordon Ramsay. It's just, I love to learn. Uh, but I also love to study how people teach subjects. Hmm. I like to see how people break out their curriculum and what they write in the, in the written portion of the lessons uh, to see how they convey their message by way of, you know, video versus on paper and then how they, how they present, you know, points throughout the, throughout the workshop uh, so that I can, you know, glean insights on their, their approaches and maybe share them uh, in a small environment with my, my own team at Trey, for example, or in a much larger environment if we're on stage somewhere. Uh, so I, I've, I've loved masterclass and have been subscribing now for a good three years. I, I really like what you said there. And hopefully everyone took note on that is not only you're there to learn the information, but you're also learning how to teach from the people that are coaching or teaching from the information. That's something that I think we, we miss out on a lot. We're just like, Hey, I just want the information, whatever, but not like, how do I actually take what this person is doing and how can I translate that in my meetings, talks, podcasts. I mean, they're all applicable, right? So yeah, I mean, you mentioned some great one in there. The one I really liked was Usher. Usher's ones surprised me a lot. I was like, mm -hmm. this is actually pretty good content. So if you haven't checked out Masterclass, I definitely would do that. But now I want to transition to something. So most people probably know this about you if they know you, but if obviously they don't know you, they don't know this. You used to be in a band. Okay, so tell us, Tell us, tell us about this, Ralph. You used to be in a band. What were you doing in the band? And then also as well, how have those skills translated to coaching and also leading a sales team? Love it. What a great question. I didn't, I didn't know this was coming. So uh, <laughs> the good news is, is I'm still in that band. This is a band that I formed with some high school friends and some college friends in the early nineties, just dating myself a bit. So we've been around the block and we've been playing for some time. Uh, we're nothing to write home about it. Like we're not the Rolling Stones or anything like that, but we do have a couple records that are on iTunes, Spotify, et cetera. The name of the band is Segway, S-E-G-U-E. And I think 97, 98 is when we were really peaking. We were performing mm -hmm. a good 50 to 60 shows per year. Uh, and we were on the circuit mostly in the San Francisco Bay area and in parts of Southern California, but that was the extent of it. Uh, but we still play to this day. In fact, we're going to be ready when we're able to start performing live again. We've got a really good set that we've been honing for some time now. And we're also going to go back into the studio to record a new record. So I'm the drummer of that band. I've been a drummer since I was three years old. I started formal lessons when I was three okay. and uh, you know, have been playing my whole life. And so a couple of things that I've learned just from my musical experience and performing live in front of people that transfers to coaching, teaching, and, and the things that we do in sales include number one, you have to know when to play and when not to play. You have to know when to lay back and kind of let the other musicians in your band carry a groove. And mm -hmm. as a drummer, you're a central integral part, of course, of the rhythm section, but you have to create space as well and let your bass player do their work or um, let the rhythm guitar player do their work, uh, et cetera. Another thing is, is, you know, just in promoting live performances, 
you've got to, you know, dust off the marketing engine and really get the wheels cranking on it. And you want your audience to anticipate seeing your show in the next week or month. And it's very similar in sales. If you have a qualification call scheduled, or if you have a discovery call or a demo, you actually want the prospect anticipating that call or that demo. And so you could do that by way of some of the things you've done, Morgan, where maybe you're leaving a video message that's very valuable and insightful, not just, hey, really excited about next Tuesday. Instead, you say, look, a couple questions we have stepping into this call next week include A, B, C. And maybe we can address them at the start of the call. Maybe we can address them throughout the call. But we're really looking forward from our end to meeting with you, showing you how we might be able to work together. So a lot of that kind of goes back to the whole band situation and the band experience. And, you know, it goes for days with the amount of things that really transfer into our work every day. Yeah, no, I I absolutely love that. And awesome. 50, 60 shows in a year. That's a lot. (laughs) You're getting after it. (laughs) So look, I didn't have any kids yet. You know what I mean? So I was able to just like load up the, load up the van and kind of go to the city, you know, a couple times a week and then rehearse when we weren't performing live. I mean, it's a, it's a way different world at the Barcy house these days. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not happening. Yeah, no, I, I love that breakdown of the band. Never heard of that way. And that makes complete sense, especially from the drummer's perspective. So let's go into the meat of this, you know, why we're here. What is your one-up formula? So what are three things that you do outside of your career, right, work that are attributing to your success when it comes to what you've seen so far? Wow. Uh, so three things that that I'm constantly working on include one, I'm I on a regular basis throughout each day, I'm developing an attitude of gratitude. Mm-hmm. I think I've got a pretty good one to date, but it could always improve. Uh, number two, I'm always focused on who I'm becoming in the process. I'm not just going yeah. to work every day. I want to make sure that I'm becoming someone that is levels above where I am today. And I also want to foster that type of environment for my team so that they too are leveling up and they're one up. Uh, then the third one is uh, just kind of dominating my own life through consistency. Okay. I just want to make sure that I'm practicing what I preach and that I too remain disciplined, focused on, uh, you know, the end in mind and, uh, you know, take, take really focused action each day to make sure that, you know, my visions and dreams and aspirations are actually realized. And I've noticed that in my life, uh, you know, when I am consistent and disciplined and focused on that kind of stuff, my vision when I arrive at that goal, it's usually like 10 X better than it was when I first thought of it. And so, uh, those are some, those are some things on my mind and things that I'm doing today. Yeah. I think those are great three things to dive into and definitely we'll unpack so we can get tactical. So some people could figure out like how, how can I be consistent? What are, what is, be, what is becoming that person in the process? Cause it's different for everyone's, but I think the very first thing we want to start off with is this really is the theme here is developing an attitude of gratitude. So what exactly are you doing to develop that? Right. Are you writing down things you're grateful for in the morning? Are you going to um, a yoga studio and meditating? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, sure. It's a, it's a number of things uh, that, that comprise the attitude. So first is, yeah, on a daily basis, I, I journal. You know, I journal typically in the morning uh, and it's journaling to myself, but I write as if it's going to be published. So mm-hmm. I probably lean into the journaling a little too much because I find myself editing in real time. Uh, But among the things that I'm journaling about includes what I'm grateful for and who I'm grateful for. And uh, I find that I usually start with the most basic stuff. And then I start to branch out almost like a ripple effect, being grateful for bigger things and um, experiences that I'm having in my life. Uh, And we can get into detail if you want, but that's one thing is journaling every day. Second is, yeah, I'm very prayerful. Uh, I come from a Catholic family. So I am that guy that's in church every Sunday and I do nightly prayers with my family. And uh, sometimes those prayers last, I don't know, three to five minutes, but we kind of go around the room and just we're grateful for the people in our lives. We're grateful for our health. Uh, and we also feel obligated through that gratitude to actually serve. 
So if I'm grateful for my health and I'm feeling really good today and energetic and enthusiastic, well, then how can I, how can I transfer that to others and, and have a positive impact on their day? And even if I'm not enthusiastic and I'm not feeling up to it one day, I still feel obligated to pay forward what I've learned and have been taught throughout my life from mentors, coaches, family members, et cetera. So you, you kind of come back to center when you're prayerful. Uh, and that's something that I'm, I'm doing regularly. And then, you know, I guess other things would include, I'm always what I call tending to the garden. I'm always cultivating, you know, trying to create a bright future for myself, for my boys, for not my actually wife. gardening. You don't have like the, you're not out there actually like gardening and getting out the weeds. I was like, I don't care. I don't think. <laughs> Dude, like, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to tell you. Like, I don't know if you're doing that. <laughs> my wife is is really into it. And, you know, when she's gone for a day or two days or something, I'll probably I'll go water the garden. Yeah. And that's about it. But I mean, one Zen thing that I will do, which is like watering a garden is I, for some reason, I've done this for years and years. I press all my clothes the night before I go to work. And even through Still the pandemic to this, day. Morning, to this day. Yeah. Like the shirt I'm wearing oh. right now, I pressed it this morning, uh, just to make sure that it's crisp, tight, on point, uh, because I know that when I put it on, I'm going to be on point. That is really interesting. I think I've only pressed a shirt once. One <laughs> <That's> time. <okay>. time. <laughs> <laughs> and now I feel like I need to get my press game on. <laughs> no, you look great. I mean, don't worry about it. That's just, that's a ritual and routine that I've been doing for some time. And it kind of gets me into a state of mind of, order, structure, routine, discipline, and then the outcome based on the output is you got this crisp, tight shirt that yeah. fits you well, and you just look like you've got your act together and uh, you start to convey that to others and they see it. They won't tell you about it ever, but they notice. Yeah. For those listening, Ralph's shirt does look really nice. So, so some of y'all are probably wondering, does it? It does. So let's, let's, but let's go back to because i do want to actually dive deeper into the journal part we've had a lot of people come on the podcast and talk about journaling but it's not as detailed as you laid it out like you're editing it so like how long do these journals happen when you're writing them on a day-to-day -day basis and do you break it up into categories or is it a free flow uh, it's a little of both, uh, but of late, okay. it's been more uh, broken into categories. So okay. uh, I have been a longtime user of Moleskin journals where I'm handwriting stuff. Uh, but recently, uh, those have since been shelved. I was using Google Docs a lot. Then I transferred to Evernote. But over the last couple months, uh, I have literally invested in, uh, by, by way of subscribing, to uh, an application called Rome Research. And it's R-O-A-M Research, all one word. And the way Rome allows you to journal and take notes is by category. So mm, you create okay. just with a set of brackets, your own categories, and then those cascade or, you know, they can expand or collapse uh, your thoughts underneath those specific categories. So I start to branch out my thoughts by looking at it on paper and, and having, um, having a way to do that, having a way to expand my thoughts on paper. And it's been super awesome, super inspiring. And to, yeah. you know, the long, I mean, the short answer to your question is, so that has warranted much more journaling, much more writing because my brain's going in every direction as I expand out certain thoughts or categories. And do you look back at them? All the time. In fact, another feature that Rome has is uh, you can add a date, a forward-looking date where, you know, people like me want to actually go back and take a look at what I journaled. So yeah. let's just take a, a simple example, you know, New Year's resolutions. I will actually write those down, but I go into every new year knowing that 80% of people They'll, they'll get after their resolutions for about six weeks, you know, and then they bail on them. Yeah. I don't want to be that person. So what I'll do is I'll actually schedule a recurring reminder in my calendar to mm. go back and take a look at what I wrote as resolutions. But anyway, in Rome, what I can do is I could just pick a date, uh, you know, in the future. And then when I go to journal that day, let's say it's, you know, the end of the year uh, on December 20th, I'll open up my journal for the day and there will be a note for December 20th from me 
back in March of the same year saying, hey, you wanted to look at this six months out, eight months out. And uh, I found it super useful because it's, it's that nudge that I need to stay on point, stay on track. I mean, so many great nuggets here that you're talking about. And I, I really like how you dive into and really go back and look at what you've wrote. I think a lot of people journal, but they never look back. They're just like, well, that's just in the past, but use that mm -hmm. to reflect and move forward. And I really like that. And, you know, I want to dive into becoming that person because it, it kind of dives in the journal, but I want to talk about the prayer side. Obviously, people listening have different things they believe in and things of that nature, but prayer for you, when you are talking about the things you're grateful for, are you only doing that in the morning? Are you also doing it in the afternoon? You mentioned you're going to church, you're doing it with the family. How has that made you be more focused and calm in the work that you do? Sure. Well, it's... um it's ever present. So it's not just a morning thing. It's uh, throughout the day, little mm -hmm. nanosecond moments sometimes. So if I'm driving on the freeway and, a, and an ambulance has the sirens going and flies past me, I'll just pause for a minute um, in, in gratitude that, you know, my family's healthy and happy and everybody's okay. But then I'll just say a quick prayer for whoever that ambulance is going to. Uh, to help. So it's things like that, little moments like that throughout the day. I might have a great one-on-one -on -one with somebody. I might even have a rough call with somebody, but I'll just be grateful that I had the opportunity to mm. go through that experience. And what have I learned from it? How could I fix it and tweak it? So, you know, we can, you know, create more win-win situations for people. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes complete sense. And there's, there's a lot of things that are benefit on the, the journal and the print side and truly being grateful and if you were to recommend to somebody they're like hey you know ralph you mentioned a lot of stuff on prayer you talked about being ever present with your prayer and, and reaching out to certain people and even obviously you see something happening praying for that situation what would you suggest to someone how should they start their practice of gratitude sure start small you know start small uh, you know those listening to this podcast or watching it are likely listening and watching from a laptop that they didn't even pay for. You know, their company probably mm -hmm. bought it for them. And uh, that is a gift. You know, the yep. fact that you are working today, if you are to, you know, go to Google and type in global rich list or how rich am I, there's a lot of really interesting, intriguing calculators, if you will, that are available where you could type in your on-target earnings. So if you type in, say, $40,000 a year here in the US, you'll be blown away by how exponentially wealthy you are compared to so many other people in the world. Uh, just the fact that you can see Morgan and me speaking, if you're watching us on uh, a video platform, or if you can hear us clearly and you're not in any pain, uh, you know, you could take a deep breath and you're not in pain, et cetera. The, all that stuff is worth being grateful for and worth acknowledging because there are people as we speak who are, you know, frontline workers or first responders, or they might be soldiers or sailors overseas, uh, they could be laying in ICU beds right now, trying to make it through the yeah. next hour. There's so much out there that we have to constantly remind ourselves of so that we can, you know, stay in the sunlight and, and start focusing on how can we help people today? How can we make people smile? What, what else can we be grateful for, et cetera, et cetera. So start small and you'll notice that that ripple effect I talked about starts to take shape. Yeah. One thing that you mentioned in there, in talking about, hey, if you look at how much you make versus, you know, other people in the world or even within your own ecosystem, uh, hey, the computer you're using right now, probably your company paid for it. I think sometimes we just overlook it because what happens is we're always looking beyond what we have currently. So we never truly appreciate, like you said. I remember when I went to India, I was my first country I ever went to and it was the biggest culture shock because I realized that it was just a completely different world over there. And there were some people who did not have certain things that I took for granted. And I remember coming back being like, I just have a different perspective. And I was just grateful for everything that I had. And I wish more people took time to not only be grateful about the things they have, but also take the time to travel and look at those perspectives. And I think you nailed that point, which kind of moves into like the person you become, right? Because the gratitude part is the self-awareness, right? It's the self-check. 
to make sure that you know what's going on internally. But now that I know what's going on internally, I got to figure out how to become the next person. So for you, who are you trying to become and, and how did you come to that conclusion? Well, I don't know if I've come to a conclusion yet, but what I have concluded is that I, I need to level up my game all the time. And I okay. have to, I have to impress Ralph Barcy of five years from now. Or Where does that come from? from Where does that come from? Probably, uh, it's probably honoring those before me. So my parents, my grandparents, I think are, are a prime example. You know, both set, but you know, all those people, all my grandparents, all, you know, my two parents have worked very hard and had worked very hard to make life as, you know, great as it could be for the children. And I just, you know, I honor having to pay that forward to honor their legacy. That's where it starts. But then as I've grown in my career and I've had the privilege of, you know, leading a lot of people on my team. I don't want to do them a disservice either. Uh, I, I recognize that they will become alumni of my team or have become alumni of my team. And I want them walking around our world, remembering the time that they were on my team. And hopefully they're, they're speaking highly of those times. And they're saying that, you know, they're representing themselves well. They're representing the organization that they once represented when they were on my team well. And they're, they're paying it forward with very high standards. And I want to honor the work that they're doing now. And I want to show them that, you know, I'm continuing to develop and grow as well. Uh, you know, if they want to look back, like, how's Barsi doing anyway? I want them to see that trajectory always going up and to the right, where I'm working hard to make a positive impact on a greater group of people now that we're several years down the line since we worked together. So there's a number of people. And then obviously setting, you know, a, a great example of leadership for my three boys, for my nieces and nephews, you know, just making sure that they have a prime example of how you can really serve and help people and, and make a positive impact on the world. Yeah. So it sounds like legacy. Sure. Sure. That's a, a great word for it. Legacy and, but also continuously paying it forward. You know, you've been put in a good position to help others and you want to do that, but you were going to say something. I was just thinking, you, you, you know, you bring up legacy and uh, it kind of reminds me of the, the philosophy I usually talk about, which is just leaving behind a trail of breadcrumbs for people to learn from. So you and I have created content. You've created, I think, 30x the content I have. But look at that trail of breadcrumbs, Morgan, that you've left behind for so many people to learn from and pick up along the way. And uh, I think that's that's a great example of a, of the legacy you want to leave. You want to be adding value all the time, and uh, you you know as well as I do that that content appreciates over time. Yep. Stuff you did in the SDR Chronicles three four years ago that's really valuable today to a lot of people who are just starting out. You know they're in week one or month one of the SDR role and they're learning from you based on things that you produced three four years ago. And I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's building that digital real estate, right? Putting the digital real estate there. You don't, you have no idea who's going to impact, but you know, at some point it will. And that was the main reason for it. And I appreciate that. And if you think about becoming that person, there's a lot of people listening in that are one month into the SCR role, new salespeople, new business owners, give them a little bit of a blueprint. What can they start doing to figure out who they need to become? Maybe they don't have the same mindset that you just had maybe they're just looking for someone to aspire to become what are the steps to do that do they go on youtube podcasts what should they be doing yeah great question there's a number of things they could do but uh, i want to emphasize uh the importance of keeping their world small okay. you know you could play the long game but you know keep your world small focus on what impact can i have on my own day in the next two hours and how am I going to do that? So first is if you're, you know, you're an inbound SDR, you are primarily responsible for following up on inbound leads. Now, a couple of things to think about is have an understanding of the investment that marketing and the business has made just to produce one lead and try to find out how much one lead costs. 
so that you have an understanding when you receive that lead, you actually respect the lead for a second before you follow up on it. And then get to learn about the people that you're about to call. I know this doesn't always scale, but we could talk about that at another time. But have an understanding of what's behind the lead, what's behind the person who has inquired about your offering. On the outbound side, get to know these companies and the uh, personas within those companies as intimately as you can. We have great tools online like the Wayback Machine, for example, where you could take a look at a website that was cached six, seven, 10 years ago hmm. from the company that you're about to call. And you can see physically online what their evolution has looked like over that track record. And you could talk about, hey, I know you went to market 10 years ago solving this problem. Now you're solving these problems. Let me tell you about similar problems that we're solving, et cetera. But have an idea of the context and the color behind your work so that you understand the mechanics of the work. And then you can add a lot more value uh, just from your knowledge and then from your application of that knowledge. I know, I know. Getting an interruption in the middle of the episode and having an ad pop up in the middle of a great point is the worst. However, I want to show some love to my organization and sponsor, JB Sales. And as many of you know, I started out giving out sales content on a YouTube channel and podcast called the SR Chronicles. And I created the one-up formula to figure out different concepts. However, on a day-to-day basis, I'm still talking about sales. And I am a business professional that happens to give out sales techniques and a sales trainer over at JB Sales. And we train reps for leading companies like Slack, Google, MindBody, Salesforce, and many fast-growing companies like that. And what some of you may not know, hot tip, is that you can access our content for yourself with our new on-demand platform. So people are constantly asking me for my sales tips and constantly asking questions from multiple platforms like on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and everything that I talk about is inside of the on-demand platform. And we're seeing crazy results from people all across the board. And people are DMing me telling me, hey, we're, we're scheduling 20x more meetings, 2x on our cold call conversions and using video prospecting to schedule net new meetings into accounts they never were able to. So if you're interested in this, on these incredible results that we're seeing, feel free to check us out. And if you're in sales, and if you're looking to up your sales game, this is for you. So check us out, JB Sales On Demand over at ondemand.jbarrows.com. That's ondemand, J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. And per usual, I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's get back in the episode. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a ton there. And what I really like that you talked about is taking all of the knowledge you're getting in your role and then amplifying that. I feel like a lot of times people who are inbound SDRs are like, well, I'm trying to get to be outbound. Or I'm an outbound SEO, I'm trying to get to AE, right? Or I'm in sales and I'm trying to be enterprise, or I'm a business owner and I'm trying to have, I'm trying to go from zero to one million, but I should be at five million. So I, I think what you're talking about is like, hey, inside of what you're doing, like ask questions and continuously learn and start small. Cause I think everyone wants to come in and be like, I want to do some massive thing, but the massive things only come from small steps. But I want you to actually spend on another point starting small. Can you talk about that? What, what does that mean from a personal perspective? Uh, with respect to how you approach your personal daily life or yeah. how you approach your professional life when you're at work for the day? Yeah, like it's kind of both, but I was more so talking about your circle. Like you said, keeping small, I thought that was another direction you could go into as well. But like, I think a lot of people are like, hey, I got a thousand friends, but it's like how many of those friends actually are helping you become the person you need to be, right? So I want to hear a little bit more about starting small on the personal side too. Love it. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about cultivating the network or cultivating, you know, the relationships that you have. One of the first things you should be asking yourself uh, every morning or at some point in the day is, well, how good am I at keeping in touch with the people in my network, the people that I love most, the people that I want to learn mm. from most, the people that I might be able to serve most? How often have they heard from me when I have sent them a message? 
what channel have I used? Do I know them well enough where I could text them? Uh, do I know when their birthday is? Do I know what their spouse's name is or their kid's name? kids' names are? Do I have an understanding of what we talked about the last time we spoke and what's really important to them or what they're aiming to accomplish this year so that I can reference it and ask them about it when I meet with them again? After I have a great call with somebody, if it was something that helped move the needle for me personally or for my team at work, I have a box of blank thank you cards that are at my side all the time. They're in my laptop bag or they're at my desk. And I will immediately scratch out a thank you card. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll supplement it with an Amazon gift card or Starbucks gift card or something. But there's that, again, that attitude of gratitude. I will thank them for the time that they invested with me when they didn't have to, uh, so on and so forth. Those are some examples on how you can you know, be best with your relationships and get the best from your relationships. And you'll also be able to find out, you know, who really matters most in your, in your circles and who doesn't. And it's okay that people won't. I mean, we're all human and that happens to all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And we had Hala come on the podcast. She's episode 11. You also check that out. And she talked about this same exact thing. How should you be proactive? Because most people listen in, you're busy like Morgan. I don't, Ralph, I don't have time. I don't have time to reach out to these people. <laughs> like I'm you busy. You, you have you have time to reach out to one person today. Yeah. And there, there, there you go with keeping the world small. Reach out to one person today. That's it. That's all you have to do. And this comes to the question I had as you were talking about being proactive. Like, I love that you have the thank you notes right next to you. That's a really great idea. Hopefully someone listens to that and does it themselves, uh, a text, a call. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. How proactive should you be, though, in these ongoing relationships? And the reason I'm asking that question is, what if you're the only person being proactive to, like, check on people and reach out? Is that Does that mean that yeah. you need to, like, reassess everyone and be like, well, no one's for me? Like, what's what should you do in that regard? Yeah, it might, Morgan. You know, there's there are some people in my life who I, I was always pinging them on their birthday, always, you know, not always, but I was pinging them every year on their birthday. And then occasionally throughout the year, I would text to say, hey, how's everything going? You know, just thinking about you and just wanted to check in. And if it's not reciprocated over and over and over again, it runs out. And I'm not going to invest any more energy or time because uh, that person is sending a pretty clear signal to me, especially if it's if there's some duration that I've seen that happening, that they're, they're not as interested. They may, it, it may not be that you know, they don't like me or anything. I can't take it all personally, but uh, it is still a clear signal and indicator. And that's fine with me. I'll just downshift and kind of steer my attention to another group or another person. And that's all right. I think, I think it's important for people to hear because you could be the person doing everything you just said, right? Becoming the person to be doing the grateful stuff. And then like, no one's reciprocating. So then it's like, wait, is it me? And we want people to know like, no, it's, it's not you. You just got to figure out who else is aligning with you. You just might not have the right people around you. That's right. That's exactly right. And it's okay to, to move on. Yeah. How do you, so, so let's let's talk about that. Yeah. From two perspectives. Because this will this will actually kind of get into like the consistency factor of you being consistent as a person and then other people being inconsistent. So my first question is moving on. How do you have a conversation with someone where it's like you have to move on from them to become the person that you need to be? And then I'll ask the second question after the answer to this. That's a tough question because I am not always forthcoming with those people. Mm, okay. uh, I don't have formal exit talks with them, for example, I just like an exit interview. Like, Hey, we need yeah, to I really, back on how bad of a friend you are. You suck. <laughs> sorry. I'm not growing or developing from our relationship. So <laughs> later, I, I just don't have those conversations, but instead what I'll do is I'll, I'll turn down the, um, you know, the figurative volume knob. I'll just slowly fade out. And if I, you know, which has happened before I've all end up hearing from that person a year later, you know, Barcy, what's going on? Hey, it, it's, you know, I've been remiss and keeping in touch, you know, just wanted to, and I'm right back. The volume knob goes right back up. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I typically am that guy who puts a 10 on people's forehead, you know, and I let them take it down to a two or a one. I don't do that. I let them do it to themselves. Uh, and if, if they come correct, you know, a year or two later and they, they actually want to, 
you know, reinvest and recommit uh, to our relationship, I'll be right there. Got it. Okay. So you start off with people as tins on their forehead, as they do certain actions, they go down, but that can go back up based on if they've changed, grown, elevated, or whatever that is. It can go up, but it's also conditional to meaning that if uh, integrity is called into question yeah. or they do something that just doesn't align with maybe my beliefs or values, then it's much more difficult to bring them back up to the 10. And instead, I'll just kind of distance myself uh, tactfully and lovingly. You know, I won't. I, yeah. I'm usually not the guy who's calling people out, but I'll, I'll take note of how somebody acted in a certain situation. And if it do, doesn't really align with how I roll, then I'll, I'll probably fade out a little bit. If not altogether. No, I think that's important for everyone to hear because as you get more successful in your sales role, leadership role, business role, you, you want to have the right people around you. Cause if you have shady people, you get in shady situations and then shady things happen to you. I'm just letting y'all know you don't want that. And one thing you mentioned is integrity. Then we'll move to consistency as we wrap this all up is the second question I have is let's say that you're following somebody and you're, again, you're aspiring to become someone. So if like, for example, to give you all the context, like, and you, most of you all know this, Gary Vee is my hero, right? So basically anything that he does, I'm aligned with for the most part. I don't know. I'm like personally, personally, but for one, the most part outside looking in, I'm like, cool, that makes sense. That makes sense. I want to do that. So I look up to him for a lot of different things. And a lot of the work that I do is not copying, but emulates that. So my question to you, Ralph, is what if you run up against somebody and their integrity is off, they are doing shady things, and you did look up to them and you aspire to become that person? How do you have the conversation with yourself to be like, wow, that was someone that like I was aspiring to be. I no longer want to be that, and now I got to shift to something else. How, how do you do that for yourself? It's tough, man, you know, because you've had this picture in your head this whole time. Yeah. Uh, you know, the person that you wanted to become uh, and and the person you also wanted to model. And yeah. when that model kind of goes askew or goes awry, <laughs> it's devastating. <laughs> it's yeah. devastating. And, uh, you know, it's great that you bring up Gary. He's a great guy. You know, I, I think both of us have had a, 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 a an opportunity to meet Gary mm -hmm. and he is as advertised, you know, he really, you know, to use his language, he really gives a shit about people. And that's my kind of person. And uh, yeah, if he were to do something that was in, you know, where integrity was called into question or it didn't align with my values, I would just be super bummed out, but I yeah. would go find someone else to replace him. Just plain and simple. Uh, because if you're not committing to yourself, and that's what integrity is all about, too. You're, you've got to make a commitment to yourself to kind of do what's right when nobody's looking and, you know, when there is no fanfare and uh, you have to commit to that to be the better person. And if the models around you that you're emulating aren't aligned with that, then you still have to stay true to yourself and march uh, to another path or another beat. Yeah, that's another I that I, answers it. It, it. Well, I think it's important, right? Because it's like. Most people would be like, it's just that one time or, ah, they'd slipped up, right? And then you start falling into just being like, they slipped up 10 times, I'm still going to follow them. And I think it's like, you have to have a guardrail to figure out like, when do I stop and when do I go find someone else? And then the process of finding someone else, we've already talked about a lot of different things on how they could do that. Yeah, it's uh, and it applies to work too. You've got to have contingency plans in place. So if that yeah. model doesn't, you know, live up to, you know, what you expected, you've got to have that contingency plan. You know, when we talk about sales and sales development, you should always have levers to pull if things don't go the way you expected them to. Yeah, and true. you've got to have that in your back pocket so that you're prepared. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier. You know, how do you remain calm? You know, through the prayers, etc. But it reminds me of a quote. I think it's Norman Vincent Peale, if I'm not mistaken. And the quote is, a cyclone derives its power from a calm center and people are the same. So have that calm center, knowing that you're being true to yourself, knowing that you're living up to high standards, knowing that you are a person of integrity, knowing that you're a servant leader, et cetera. And life is pretty damn good when you find that calm center. And that, and a lot of that has to do with being grateful, 
journaling, all that different stuff. And I really, I really love that quote. And so let's go to the consistency part, dominating consistency. As we've all been listening in, taking notes like I have as well, you're a very ritual-based person. So have you always been like that? Or were there, was there a moment in life where you were like, you weren't consistent in something and it did not go well and then it made you change? Yes, there was a moment. There was a pivotal moment in my life where it, everything changed, I think, for the better. And it was mm-hmm. when I was told by my university not to come back in the fall. I had mm-hmm. just finished sophomore year. I spent the first two years of my uh, college career drinking beer, uh, you know, causing a ruckus. Not <laughs> were, you at least good at beer, were you good at beer pong? Were you beer pong champion? <laughs> I was pretty good at beer pong. I was never good at chugging, but I, I just, I was focused on everything that would not move me forward. Let's just yep. put it that way. Uh, <laughs> yep. I would walk out of class. If I didn't understand what was going on, I would just leave my books. I would tell the person next to me, you know, can you bring these back to my dorm after class? I'm going to pretend I'm, you know, stepping out for a minute, but the, I'm not coming back. Yeah, I would yeah. just do whack stuff like that. And so the yeah. school said, Hey, look, your grades are terrible. You're clearly not, you know, putting any skin in the game. Don't come back. Or you can go to summer school. You can, you know, do, do good on some of the credits that you need to knock out and we'll reconsider you. And it just so happens that I just started dating the girl that I ended up marrying and I was dating her for just a couple months. And I knew that I would, I would in college. No, yeah, we're about. Was she in the same college as you, or was it like a same college, same class, same class? Okay, cool, cool. Yep. So uh, that was thirty years ago. We've been together for thirty years. But I knew that at the time, if if I was not let back into the school, I could you know kiss her goodbye. You know, she would rather be with somebody who's got much higher standards. And so I went to summer school, got my act together, got my GPA back, got back into the school, graduated. And it was during that summer school period that I learned the importance of chronicling things, documenting things, taking notes, you know, writing down what, who you want to become and why, Uh, you know, what are the things you want to end up doing in life and, and, you know, reinforcing the importance of revisiting those notes and actually applying what I'm writing down. Don't just write notes to write notes, but actually apply what you're writing and apply, you know, the lessons that you're learning. And I really took that seriously. I didn't want to mess it up again. And what I did is forged a number of new habits around structure, organization, focus, centering, all that stuff. And it's really, really carried me throughout my life and my career. So I'm grateful that I had that, that crummy situation, you know, as a sophomore in college. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you sharing and one of the things I was going to ask you is what was the most satisfying moment of being consistent, but obviously it sounded like you just getting back into college, you getting out of there, right? And finally able to like start really taking note of things and applying them, which is my follow-up question. When you're taking these notes, you say you actually apply them. How do you decide what you apply? And then is there such thing as too much application from your notes? Ooh, uh, yeah, is there too much application? It depends. It depends because you could be applying what doesn't matter. You yeah, know, because, <laughs> right? you know like, what I mean? It's irrelevant. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, uh, I think it's Tony Robbins who calls it, you're majoring in minor things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you could take notes all day long, but if you're not discerning what really matters most and you're spending time on the stuff that doesn't matter most, then yes, you can, you can, uh, you know, go off track by too much application of the wrong stuff. Do you feel like there's a, this might be super granular and it obviously might depend. Is there like a limit? Like, Hey, I'm going to, from this one hour lesson, I should apply one to four things and that's it. And then I grow from there. Yeah, I, I would, I would suggest that I'm just trying to, you know, I'm, I'm racking my brain for a really good example of that, but mm. it also goes back to keeping the world small or keeping your world small. So just keep things simple. You should be operating off one, two, three initiatives for yourself uh, that all roll into one mission and one North star. Uh, Otherwise you're going to, you're going to follow all these different paths and you're never really going to arrive at that destination that you've been aspiring to uh, achieve for so long. So don't, don't lead yourself astray. 
Yeah. And that that comes to the consistency, right? So how do you so for everyone listening in, they're like, Ralph, that was a great story. I'm with you. I understand why it's important, but I'm not consistent. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not. Yep. So first, it's a mental thing. And I know you're probably going to go there first, but my, my question is might lead to what you're about to say is mentally, how do I prepare myself to become more consistent? And then we'll get tactical. Love it. Uh, start with your self-talk. Okay. So if I'm hearing somebody say, Ralph, I am not consistent. My response is usually, well, I'm sure you're not because you're telling me you're not consistent. But if you start telling me that you are consistent and that you do have a plan and that you are improving your approach to organization and structure, then I can work with you and I can help you. Uh, but if you just straight up tell me, you know what, I'm not consistent. I'm not good at note taking. I'm not this. I'm not that. Then it's like, you know, if you think you're right or if you think you're wrong, you know, you're right. You, you Whatever yeah. you think, that is correct. So it does start up here mentally. And you have, you know, one of my new year's resolutions, since we were talking about it earlier for 2021 was to dial in my self-talk, you know, make sure what am I asking myself each day? What am I telling myself about myself each day? Us, you know, and is it on point and is it aligned with what my values are and who I want to become? And is it going to drive consistency? You just have to start changing your verbiage internally first and that will come out in your conversations with others because it's so baked internally uh, into your mindset. And uh, you can't go wrong when you just start making little tweaks like that. I believe the biggest warfare we have is in our mind. Amen. Internal warfare, what we tell ourselves, how we go about it. I, I don't have it anymore, but I used to have sticky notes in the bathroom that would say like, I feel empowered. I'm feeling great today. Um, I, I will accomplish what I'm going to accomplish even to the point where on my, even on my phone, I have goals and self-talk written out. So I see it all the time, which is how I remain positive and powered. It's not something that's made up. Like I see it all the time. I'm in it. And that's what you're talking about. That's the consistency of, talking to yourself and being like, what am I actually saying? Like, if I keep telling myself I, I'm, I suck, then you will suck. Right. Like, then you do you keep, suck. You keep telling yourself that, like, it, it, that's you. So yeah, we got the mental down. You gave some good advice there. Now let's get to the tactics of how do you start creating these routines and where should you start? Is it the morning routine? Is it consistency around like a sales job? Like, Hey, I should make five calls a day. Like give us a couple things that people can consider here. Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, this is off the lid. Okay. And it's going to really focus on uh, sales professionals or sales development professionals. Uh, one is, uh, hey, I'm an SDR today. I want to be an account executive. Okay. Well, let's look at what an account executive job description looks like. And let's look at the qualifications that are required. And let's look at the responsibilities of the role. And then let's create a document that maybe sits beside that job description that's reconciling how good you are at that stuff and what you need to improve on so that you have a very clear picture of where the gaps are, and what it is you need to improve on. Uh, if you take it a step higher, let's say I'm a, a successful account executive. I think I'm ready to lead a team or I think I'm ready to go out on my own and just run my own business. Well, you have to study the craft in order to master the craft. And so you need to become a student and you need to wear the, you know, the student's cap and have the beginner's mind in order to be open to the lessons that you need to learn so that you can take action and become that person that you want to be and that you could really walk the walk. So those are some things, uh, you know, we can bring it back to, I want a stronger network. You know, I want a network like Morgan J. Ingram's where, People can't even get in touch with you anymore on LinkedIn to, you know, send a, uh, an invitation to connect because you've reached your limit. Yeah. Right? The limit. <laughs> yeah. I what is it? 30, 30, 40,000 people. 30 K, which is absurd by the way, but 30 K. Yeah. So if you want to aspire to have that type of network, well, it starts by, you know, how many LinkedIn requests did you send out to people today and how many of them were personalized with one, two, or three lines in it? Or did you just click connect, 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 connect? 
And nobody has any color or context around your request to connect. Yeah. You know, get good at the really, really small, detailed, nuanced stuff. And uh, that's how those are some examples of how you can really start to, you know, blossom, I guess, in, in your aspirations. Yeah. Very detailed, very concise, makes a ton of sense for anyone who wants to start being more consistent. Uh, before we go into the last question, wrap up this interview, any additional tips you want to give on consistency for people that are like, like, Roth, you got one more thing for me. Uh, tips on consistency. Yes. Maybe, you know, send, hold yourself accountable by sending messages to yourself. You know, we have, you know, every email platform allows you to schedule a send. Mm -hmm. So maybe you schedule an email to be sent to you 30 days from now, you know, and it's a detailed email. It's not just, Hey, go back and look at your notes from this day. It's like, Hey, how, how far have you come in this area, this area, where have you found improvement? set reminders on your calendar, set the alarm on your phone. You need little triggers, most of us do anyway, to just remind you and nudge you to kind of go back to where you were and, and uh, kind of take stock of what you wanted to do and what you wanted to accomplish and kind of grade yourself on it and really do the work that you say you're going to do and be the, yeah. the person that you want to become. Yeah. And, and the thing is that goes back into the attitude of gratitude, right? Cause you're going to appreciate that you set yourself that 30 days later from now. I'm like, wow, I'm glad that I set myself that and I saw what I accomplished and now I can feel good about myself. So this leads into the, the last question, <clears throat> which is what is the best piece of advice that you have received lately? Well, I'm glad you said lately, because if it's the best piece of advice, there's just, there's too much. Of, there's too, too much. much. There's too much. <laughs> I think lately though, uh, of late, it's come from uh, the latest book by Derek Sivers. Are you familiar with Derek? I'm not. Uh, check him out. S-I-V-E-R-S is his uh, last name. And you can check out his website. It's S-I-V-E dot R-S. Yeah. Uh, so Derek just uh, produced an online book. Uh, I think the hard copy comes out in a couple months. It's called How to Live. And it took Derek, I think, something like two to four years to write this thing. And um, it's the lessons he's learned in his, in his life. And he, um, he's got a certain way that he's written it, which, you know, we could talk about later. But the most recent advice I've gotten has really come from that book. Uh, there's, a, there's an excerpt in the book where he talks about, like, when you know what you're doing, you won't care what anyone else is doing. And really what he means by that is it's about, you know, taking ownership and accountability for the things you say you're going to do. It all kind of yep. informs what you and I have been talking about. It's, you know, when you're independent, for example, uh, you can't blame others. You decide that everything is your fault. You yep. know, who, whoever you blame has power over you. So blame only yourself. It's <laughs> things like that. You can't blame your location, your culture, your race, your history. If you do so... Derek says you're abdicating your autonomy. And that really resonates with me. I like that kind of, you know, being, um, being my own man in the world and uh, kind of following my path. I really, really appreciate uh, that type of advice. I love that because it's something actually very similar. <clears throat> Gary says something. It's like, Hey, like it's on you. <laughs> like, like at the end of the day I hate to break it to you. It, it, it's on you. It's on you. And so if you always put it on yourself, that may sound like a lot of pressure and hard. It actually is easier because you can always be like, what's the learning lesson here? Like in everything that I do, if it's like, okay, this might be 99% this person's fault, but also what is the learning lesson here? And if you ask yourself that question, you actually come to a lot of conclusions pretty quickly and you, you can grow from that. But I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's a fantastic piece of advice. And as we wrap up, any shout outs that you want to give and also as well, where can people find you if they want to connect? Uh, well, people can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you want to connect with me, it's just my name, Ralph Barcy. Just do me a favor and write a personalized note if you're going to send me an invitation <laughs> to connect. And it doesn't have to be a long one. And I will accept it and probably write back to you too. Uh, that's the best way to reach me. Uh, I also have a blog, which is ralphbarcy.com that you're welcome to check out. You could subscribe if you're interested in hearing from me once in a while. Uh, and your other question was about shout outs. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So many shout outs. Um, wow. 
Morgan, who do I, who do I say what's up to? <laughs> you, got, you got the mic. <laughs> so many good people. So many good people uh, in our industry. Um, what's up to Trish Bertuzzi and Lori Richardson. And mm. what's up to my team, Becky Sue and Katie Mackay and uh, Dom Lewis and Nate Gemberling. And um, who else? What's up to John Barrows and his crew uh, James Buckley and team. Uh, there's just James. so many, so many good people out there doing good things for people. And uh, yeah, it goes on and on. And a, and a big shout out to my family, of course, my wife, Catherine, and my three boys. Uh, I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful they're in my life. And I just feel like I could, I could be a better me because of them. I love it. Well, very genuine and thoughtful shout outs. And Ralph, it was a pleasure having you on. And as always, y'all, one up, and we'll see you on the next one.